Welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. I'm really excited for today's conversation. Um, I think it's going to be a act of vulnerability and practice. Um, and I have a lot of uh, respect and admiration for my guest today, which is Linda Tucci, um, Senior Global Director of Technical Solutions at Ortho Clinical Diagnostics. Um, Linda, welcome back to the Future of Field Service podcast. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. So Linda was on the podcast. I was looking back, Linda, it was actually episode 83 and we're in the 240s now. So it's wow. been a while. Um, and what's interesting is uh, our topic uh, in episode 83 was around the importance of mental health in leadership. Um, and here we are uh, a while later, <laughs> um, you know, kind of a, a an aspect of that same topic, right? Um, and uh, I, I am um, so glad to have you here and, and be uh, talking with you today. Um, I want to let everyone know, you know, Linda and I, um, I have the the good fortune of interacting with with a lot of wonderful people, but you meet these people that you just click with. Um, and you stay in touch with, you know, maybe not frequently, but certainly over years and years. Um, and uh, Linda and I caught up not too long ago, just as friends. Um, so, uh, you know, when I asked you about doing this podcast, I was sure to say, don't feel obligated. Don't, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm not in any way trying to exploit your personal challenges for the benefit of the podcast. Rather, you know, you were commenting on um, all of the lessons you've learned through the journey that we're going to talk about today. And I thought, you know, not only might it be um, cathartic or empowering for you to share some of those, but I absolutely know that it will be beneficial for others to hear as well. So thank you for, um, for trusting me here and uh, for sharing with us. So what we're going to talk about today is what Linda has learned um, about leadership through her breast cancer journey. Um, so there's, you know, um, a whole lot to talk about and, uh, and we're going to get into all of it. Um, but before we get into the personal stuff, there's also been a lot of change um, in the professional side of, of your life uh, and with ortho. So can you um, let's first just talk about that and give people the background of, um, you know, your uh, leadership role, your your history in that regard, and then we'll go. Sure. Perfect. Um, and thanks again for the platform, even preparing for today and thinking through in itself, you know, truly lessons learned was cathartic in itself. So look for it always in our conversations. And um, just to give our listening audience background, I, I've started my career as a medical technologist and worked in multiple labs. And um, I really enjoyed being a med tech. I see them as unsung heroes within our, you know, medical landscape. And um, I moved over to the medical device industry for working for manufacturers of the instruments themselves. And all of my roles past well, 20 plus years have been in the service side, whether the contacts in our environment, field service. And so now I'm responsible here globally for remote technical support. So we provide technical support to customers using our instrumentation, escalation support to field engineers. And, and I've always enjoyed being in a service for all. Um, I would say from a work perspective. And just last year, about May, uh, Quidel purchased ortho, clinical diagnostics becoming Quidel ortho. So 
by nature of integration, there was a lot going on at work. And it's interesting if I rewind a bit leading up to that time period in 2020, we were all dealing with COVID. My mom passed. I had an emergency appendectomy. I bought a new house. I moved. And it was just when I felt things were getting, I'm going to say, almost acclimated to the new normal, we start an integration and I get diagnosed with cancer. So I was stopped in my tracks. And, you know, for me, I'm not only, I, I um, as I started to educate myself, um, I would say um, the one thing I knew in, in having already done some research on breast cancer is that what I didn't want was triple negative breast cancer mm -hmm. uh, because it's trickier to treat. And of course, that's how things unfolded. Now, you know, we all react to news in a, in a different way. But for me, as someone who leans towards, I would even say I'm a self-confessed control freak. <laughs> it was really hard because I had to accept I had no control. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that was important for me to not only educate myself, but to say, what can I control? And for me, that was what went in my body, on my body, how I move my body, mm -hmm. and, and just to ensure that I was nurturing the spiritual side of my mind and how I showed up in the world became uh, more important than ever in my life. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it definitely makes sense. But I mean, that's a, a tremendous amount of not only change, but objective stress, right? All at once. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting because, um, you know, we didn't prepare for this part of the conversation. We don't necessarily need to, to talk about all of this, but I think, you know, it, it's really um, interesting to me how glib sometimes people can be in, in the comments that they make, you know? Um, and, and so, I can imagine you had people that say like, well, your health is the most important thing. Just focus on you, you know, and yeah, uh, absolutely. But um, if you are like, you know, many people, you're relying on your your job for your health coverage, right? And so it, it's, you know, people say these things, but it isn't quite so easy to separate them out into these buckets and to just say, okay, I, my body is in crisis right now and I need to just focus on fighting this one thing. You still have to handle all of those other layers, you know, and it's a lot of compound, you know, things going on at once. Um, and, and I can imagine, you know, tremendously hard. Uh, so, um, and I'm also, I was, I was kind of smiling to myself cause I, I understand, I identify with being a, a control freak. Um, and, when you and I caught up, uh, you know, uh, a, a while ago, I, I shared with you also that I went through um, uh, a similar exercise in realizing how little we really do control when my son was diagnosed with mm. type one diabetes, right? Because I can't fix that. I can't change that. But I have a feeling you probably jumped right into, okay, well, I can't control this thing. So what can I control? Right? Um, you know, and, and to your point, okay, I'm going to start doing the research, I'm going to start learning everything I can, um, etc. So um, I think, you know, it's, um, I can only imagine, you know, what what you've been through trying to juggle all of that, because, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's easy for someone to say, well, just focus on you. But in a lot of ways, when you're an adult uh, in the world, you know, it, it's not quite that simple. So 
Um, you know, I guess, is there anything you could share about how you have balanced things? Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure it's been imperfectly, um, but, mm -hmm. you know, knowing that, that a lot of people end up in situations where they do have to juggle these competing um, challenges, priorities, regardless of what they are, how have you tried to, you know, take care of yourself while still taking care of the things that you need to take care of? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a great question. I can answer in a lot of different ways. You know, um, first top of mind, I'll say, you know, I'm making reference to like what I could control and nurturing that spiritual side of me. I think there's two things just thinking about what have really popped out about lessons learned in this journey. And that's um, one, the importance of the present moment. Mm -hmm. And also secondarily to me is the value of suffering. So, you know, we could talk about mindfulness for hours, right? And, you mm -hmm. know, and, 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 and quote, you know, Eckhart Tolle, the power of now, and even my own, I'm going to say, personal spiritual formation when I was young, really focused on the present moment. But I had the natural grace to embrace it in a very different way, like almost on steroids. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so by practicing being in the moment and and doing what I could to be truly present, I'll be honest with you, it's now become so habitual for me to really say, how do I want to show up in this moment? Mm -hmm. In this moment, nothing is more important than having this conversation with you and what a joy, right? So, um, and I have found that by creating a habit of focusing on the present moment has not only reduced um, my tendency towards any anxiety, um, uh, but also has just naturally enriched my sense of gratitude. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, and that's, and that in itself has had a positive impact on my life. And I even say that when I look at this world today, there's so much that we could say, but I think we've lost sight of the value of suffering in itself. When mm -hmm. you are hit with something, um, you know, such as a diagnosis of cancer, right? You know, it causes our focus to look inward. And there's many ways that you can react to that. Uh, you know, I'm just saying for me and the way that I'm wired, I'm blessed because that became, okay, how do I want to show up? How can I help others through this journey, right? Because we, you know, you can read like suffering leads to wisdom. While I can't say I've become wiser, I've learned lessons that have I'm going to say created a greater sense of wisdom in me. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I think I'm just beginning to really unpack, you know, how this has impacted me. I'm going through this journey where there've been moments that have been very painful, mm -hmm. uh, but to come out to the other side and to see the degree of resilience, um, sense of humor, you know, that just naturally has even emerged more so, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm not sure if I fully answered your question. No, that makes sense. And I have a couple, I have a couple things going through my head. When you were talking about, you know, focusing on the present moment, I was reflecting on how important that is in so many areas of our lives, right? And how a lot of our angst can be self-inflicted by getting away from the right now. Do you know what I mean? So whether yeah. that's, personal life or professional life. I mean, for most people, I think they all blend together, right? It's oftentimes when you are the most anxious, it's because you're looking so many steps ahead instead of, you know, so if you think about it work-wise, like, what do I need to do right now? And yeah. if I do the next right thing, 
all the time, I'll look back and see that I was going on the right path. And that's not to say we don't need to strategize or or be forward thinking in any way, but you know, a lot of times we're trying to jump through all of these moments of growth and learning to whatever the outcome is, you know, and I think same in, in our personal lives, right? It's when I feel the most overwhelmed, it's because I'm thinking about things that are really relevant to today, right? Or mm-hmm. this moment, you know? Um, I also was thinking of something I I read um, or heard not too long ago. And, and unfortunately, I don't remember where, um, but I'm curious your thoughts, if you don't mind me just adding in a, a curveball, um, which is, I, I remember um, the the point, uh, like I said, I don't remember who it was, or if I heard it on a podcast or read it in a book, but it was talking about how oftentimes the hardest things we'll face in our lives, the anticipation is worse than the experience itself. Not mm-hmm. that the experience itself isn't so hard but once you start going through it to your point you're kind of forced to do so moment by moment where the anticipation you're thinking about the whole big thing right and i just wondered if you feel there's any truth to that for you of you know in your experience um what that's felt like oh it totally resonates with me you know and in those lessons of staying in the present, you know, there are some aspects of just even my treatment um, between the chemo and other aspects of my surgery that were, if I knew what was going to happen to me, <laughs> maybe well in advance, you know, the anxiety can shoot up. Now, what I'll say that um, the resilience that I've built in, even if I know, and I and I do want to know things in advance, I'm not one of those people, oh, don't, just don't tell me. I don't want it in my head. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother me. I know how to control so that I don't allow my mind to spiral out of control. Mm-hmm. But I place it with, the, okay, I know it's going to happen. It's going to happen at this time frame. Let me go back into the present moment. Because if I lose my joy in the present, there's all this good stuff you lose, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, you know, and 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 the worry is not going to add value. What I have found also, and and I and I think you alluded to in a prior question, which I didn't fully answer, was like balancing everything, because I started really focusing on say what matters most. Now, to your point, of course, you know, practically work, I need my healthcare coverage, but I also get great joy from work. Mm-hmm. A lot of my best friends are at work. And so there's the element of compartmentalizing, whereas now's the time for me, mm-hmm. right? And and also lessons learned that I had to say goodbye to some unhealthy relationships I've had with work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that it's okay, right? So, so, so I would say on this journey, you know, um, I think it's not the natural tendency, right? Because, you know, I mean, you, we could just read a newspaper. Well, actually, are there even newspapers today? We could listen to a YouTube, what's happening in the world. You could easily get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. You know, what what I've what I see is the great beauty in the world and the amazing people that I'm surrounded by. And so I choose joy. I choose happiness, mm-hmm. you know, and regardless of how things have unfolded, like I mentioned to you, and, I'll, and I'll, I'm comfortable sharing, even though this is really getting transparent, you know, my chemo didn't work. 
you know, so when I got that, I was expecting, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Check, check, check. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to get, you know, the big prize at the end. And that didn't happen. And, and I had a pause, which was almost overwhelming. Like I was like, well, wait a minute. I, I didn't think this was going to happen. And it was really interesting for me. And it, and it actually took me a while to really dive into that and say, huh, are you really committed to the present moment? You know, what have you learned? And, and I'll be honest with you, that moment of, de of almost devastation or, mm -hmm. or dis I can't call it despair. I, could, I, I would call it depression mm -hmm. became a springboard for me. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, you know, well, the reality is, you know, I've got this little thing hanging over my head, um, you know, with a high potential recurrence of cancer, but it has made me see the world differently with mm -hmm. fresh eyes, with new eyes. And um, I think that's made me a better person to be blunt. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, so when, when we think about, you know, how these huge changes within yourself and, and these lessons you're learning, um, you know, really, and, and then you, you're doing it all in real time, right? Because it's, you're still showing up every day, um, which is just incredible. But um, when you think about how those lessons have changed you as a leader in your professional life, what are kind of the, the points you would say stand out to you the most of, you know, what, how you show up differently as a result of, of this journey? Mm. Um, you know, it's interesting. It makes me think of a story or, or a moment in time um, as I was preparing and looking at what I could control. And and I, I told the people at work that I think I needed to or who deserved to know before I became more um, before it became more publicly known. And one of the things that I knew is that I would lose my hair, which was not a problem for me. I didn't I didn't. Um, it, some people have a hard time with that. I didn't at all. I just knew that I wanted to control it. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I started losing my hair, I shaved my head uh, proactively because to me it was like empowering. Mm -hmm. um, I think people around me freaked out because I was like, oh, don't worry about it. I went to a salon. They never saw me before. Hey, can you shave my head? Oh, don't worry about it. I got cancer. It's okay. Do you know what I mean? And they wanted to be really solemn. And I was like, hey, I got a conference call in half an hour. Let's move <laughs> Can you speed it up? No, seriously, you're just shaving it. Okay? I'm not, I don't need a style. Just let's go. Yeah. But I had prepared and looked for a wig that looked like my hair because mm -hmm. I didn't want, I, I wasn't ready to go out in public and have people know. And, you know, I went to a wig specialist and they got me all these wigs that just didn't look like me. And, and the, well, the funny part of the story is that I found a wig called Disco on a clearance rack that looked just like my messy hair. And so I started wearing that and I in people for like six weeks until I really then publicly um, came out of the closet so to speak and they're like wow you know we never you you lost your hair some people started treating me differently mm -hmm. I was thinking, like isn't this interesting mm -hmm. even the ones that knew I had cancer but the, something about visually now thankfully I have a beautiful scalp by the way so I wasn't freaked out when I shaved my head but you know, I was the same person. And so for me, you know, I talk a lot about meeting people where they are and it really 
hit me. We don't all wear our wounds externally, you know, now clearly I'm very comfortable speaking about my experience and that's just how I process. I love sharing and hearing from others and learning from our respective journeys. But if I truly want to meet people where they are, I have to make sure that I ask good questions, that mm-hmm. I don't jump to assumptions, that I'm um, really looking at them holistically, right? Especially in my roles at work. And and so, you know, um, I would say it takes work, mm-hmm. right? So for me, compassion being a core value, it's more important than ever that are my words and actions aligned, mm-hmm. right? You know, the leaders that I found most inspirational have been the ones that are the most relatable. They're able to share their stories so that that connection's made, right? Mm-hmm. That what they say has meaning or relevance to me and that I can count on them. They're trustworthy, mm-hmm. you know? And so for me, even more so, I really reflect on that. How am I showing up at work? You know, and am I validating with others? Is this how you're experiencing me? Right. Mm-hmm. And I would say what may have worked for me in the past doesn't work in this virtual world we find ourselves in, you know. And so I would say that we or those who want to be experienced as leaders have to put the work in. Mm-hmm. And and this journey for me has impacted everything because that reflection takes time, but I'm committed to it. Mm-hmm. And I would even say I'm giving more time to being reflective to say, what in the work environment has the most value? You know, who can I fire from my life, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? Because it's a brain drain as opposed to a value add. What meetings, you know, um, and, and I've done, uh, I continue to do a cleansing of sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I like that. And, and I shared, um, a couple days ago, uh, on a, a, a customer, um, community group I was running that I was at a conference a few weeks ago and I was talking to, um, this woman from Electrolux that I presented with, and we were just chatting about a lot of different things, but she was sharing that she had recently incorporated this practice where on a weekly basis on Fridays, she writes um, about one thing that's given her energy throughout the week and one nice. thing that's taken her energy throughout the week. And then she can reflect on those things and determine how to do more of one, less of the other. And, you know, I, I think that's a great sort of, of process and going through something like what you're going through just really emphasizes the importance of not wasting your energy on things that are, are just, you know, um, not valuable to you, not enjoyable to you and not necessary, right? So one of the things that I loved is when we chatted about this, you mentioned that pre all of this, okay, pre I think even you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think even pre COVID, you know, which changed everything for a lot of people, you said that that you would always conduct a practice of reframing your leadership every other year or so. Um, and then obviously this experience and, and kind of the collection of experiences over the last few years have, have led you to maybe do so more frequently, but I just think I I love that idea. I think it's something that, that a lot of people could value from hearing more about because, you know, quite frankly, I think there are leaders in place that haven't reframed their leadership ever, (laughs) let alone at, at any regular interval. Um, so I'm just wondering if you could speak to one, sure. the importance of that, but two, you know, anything about what does that process look like for you? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, the, um, genesis of that was 
ooh, uh, 20 years ago, um, I had an opportunity. I applied to become this uh, head of service at a small company I was at. And I thought I was the obvious choice. Maybe I was a little cocky back then. And, and yes, guilty as charged. But um, thankfully, you know, I knew enough to go around and start asking, you know, wh why do you believe I'm not being selected? You know, what could I be doing differently? Or why do people not see me in the role? And I'm so grateful to that younger version of myself that I responded to the feedback. And um, while the specifics don't matter, it was as simple as there was a critical initiative happening where I had an impact to. And I took that feedback and I said, okay, you know what, I'm going to show up differently. And within a matter of 72 hours, I was promoted. Wow. And I was like, wow. Now, and I, I'm an adult well into my career at the time. I'm thinking like, if I really ask for tough feedback and I commit to change and I focus on leveraging my strengths and realizing some areas of weakness may never be able to be developed because I'm so lacking, how do I mitigate that gap? Mm -hmm. I can actually be more impactful in the world. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking like, well, I'm going to do this all the time, right? Um, but what I started over time is every year I redid my resume so that I was reflecting on how I, you know, show up on a piece of paper, but I would also ask others for feedback and especially from people that I knew would tell me the truth, even if I didn't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. I would also talk to people who I know did not either, I'm going to say, appreciate my style um, or who I would have found myself in most conflict. Mm -hmm. And I think this exercise of just saying, okay, so what strengths will I continue to shine, right? Or continue to build on there are some gaps in my in, in my skills that I'm never going to be able to be um, able to fill, nor do I need to. Right. Uh, but what I found is like little different tools and a couple of things. One is um, uh, DDI, the, um, the global consulting firm. Mm -hmm. I think back in 2010, at least that's when I remember coming across their global leadership forecast survey. And I loved it, which is a global survey. And it really talks about leadership today and what is needed for the future. So every time that survey comes out since then, since 2020, I'm like, yay, I got I have to now stop and I have to pause and I have to look and say, okay, anything in my um, leadership arena that I need to work on, I actually, and you know, I could be a poster child for them. I should send them a note of thanks because I actually believe it's been extremely impactful. You know, one year when they were talking about how we live in this world of, you know, VUCA, vol volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity, and just the skills that we needed five years earlier are no longer the same priority. And, and I, I reacted to that, right? Mm -hmm. Or even now, I love the fact that 2023 uh, survey that came out in March, March, yeah, I think end of Q1, um, talked about the importance of self-reflection because trust is being eroded in the workplace. And so leaders have to look at how they're being experienced. And I'm like, I could have written this survey myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing too, and this comes from uh, Bob Kelleher, um, who has a, a firm, um, employee engagement firm out of Boston. And he um, uh, would talk about always doing stay interviews. Mm -hmm. You know, we always have these exit interviews, but we don't interview people while they stay. And so I would consciously say to myself, why am I staying here? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so going through that, um, I think has enriched my professional development. Mm -hmm. um, and and also, may, um, 
allowed me to like stop focusing on things that I just know are are never going to improve. Right. And you know what? That's okay. It's about being self-aware enough mm-hmm. to say, because I have this gap, I need to plan to mitigate it. Right. Yeah. And and realizing that leadership today doesn't mean you're, I mean, I think there's this old school version of, of the leader as the, you know, controller of all things, the smartest person in the room, you know, you have to know everything, et cetera. And I mean, leadership today is, um, you have to be a lot more humble, right? You need to accept the fact that you're probably not uh, always the smartest person in the room and that's okay, right? And you don't have to know everything. You just have to be able to bring together talent and, and you know, lead well. So I think that's really interesting. And I love that it's a combination, your reflection process of sort of your own experiences, the people closest to you that you're working with, but also looking at these trends and and analyzing what's going on in the rest of the world, you know, so that you're not staying too narrow in your own day to day. Um, I love that. So the other thing we talked about, Linda, is, um, you know, needing to pull back um, on some of the things you were doing, right, to conserve energy for this personal um, journey that you're on. Uh, and I, and I remember actually the first podcast we did together, we talked about, you know, when, when you went through your mom, um, passing and, and you, you needed to get better asking for what you need, right. And saying, um, what your truth is and, and not being, um, ashamed of that or, or feeling you need to apologize for it. And I'm just curious, you know, um, how you did that through this journey, you know, how did you continue to ask for what you need to um, look for the things that you could let go of too? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause I just think, especially being in a service role, my entire career, it's so often that we default to yes. Right. And um, you know, and I, earlier mentioned, you know, looking at those relationships that I could remove from my professional life. Um, and actually even personal people that were not uh, enriching me or my experience. And then also saying, well, what can I provide to my organization? You know, um, um, that uh, a little bit more rigor around governance was something we identified. It's not perfect yet, but we've been working on it. And then also to, you know, delegating in a way that I could be okay with allowing things to crumble mm-hmm. and really not, you know, you know, it's my own ego that would want to go in with my mighty mouse move and save the day. Right. But to let it go as long as there were lessons to be learned from that and that it was okay. And, um, you know, for me, that was a really, um, a lesson to understand that the importance for me is to make sure that the organization is sustainable, has a clear vision and is resilient in the event of failure. And that, um, and I think I realized that in a new way that felt liberating mm-hmm. and, and perfection is just unachievable. Right. Um, you know, what is good enough, mm-hmm. you know, and then I would also say that, you know, there's the aspects that I think might have been unhealthy in my relationship to work. And and I do think that, you know, I can blame my parents for this or I can thank my parents for this as a child of immigrants. You know, I just have a work ethic that's off the charts. Mm-hmm. Right. So. For me, 
it's acknowledging my own humanity that for me, my own mortality, mm -hmm. I had no choice. I had to focus on myself, right? Not only so that I could live and grow and be healthier, right? But also too, um, that it was okay that I could let go because my team, I learned through this process mm -hmm. that not only is my team great, they're exemplary. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? When when um, given challenges, you know, true character is forged through adversity, right? You know, my, my team is just awesome. And, the, you know, the days that I am the weakest link in the chain, they carry me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And I think we talked about, I remember this being um, uh, a big point in our, our uh, conversation because we were talking about how today empowerment <laughs> is such an important leadership skill because you know we want talent not just to be doing what we say to do but to be making those choices you know taking ownership um and learning how to do things in their own way and how this experience sort of not that you don't i i think you already knew the importance of that but there's a difference between knowing it's important and embracing it like half-heartedly, you know, but still being there to be like, okay, but blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, but then really knowing like you have to let go because you just can't be as involved as you were before. And then, you know, seeing like, oh my gosh, you know, they might not have done it the way I would do it, but they did a fantastic job. And that's, you know, empowering for them. It's freeing for you. And, you know, I think it's a, a good, um, point in in the sense of you know taking the talent you have and leaning into them a bit more because it's you know a great growth opportunity for them and it's it's a good way for leaders to kind of refocus their efforts on things that that you know require uh that energy instead of things that that people are willing to lean on them for um yeah that's uh that's interesting. We also talked about, um, you know, the acute awareness uh, of the need for empathy, vulnerability, authenticity, and kindness. And these are traits that I would use to describe you always. Um, but I know that they, um, you know, have become even more important to you and also helping bring them out in other people. Um, so I guess what comments do you have on mm -hmm. Where do you think leadership is today in embracing those traits? Mm -hmm. Interesting. You know, um, I would say my own personal experience, I've always I've always been told, and I think I'm just a naturally compassionate person, right? Um, and I'm not afraid of being vulnerable, you know, and um, I actually think it's one of my superpowers, to be honest with you. And I'm a big Brene Brown fan, you know, and, you know, she who highlights the the value and and the, uh, vulnerability is courage right um and personally my experience has been even when i thought maybe there's a line or does it make sense to share a i'm going to say uh, a personal flaw even mm -hmm. i've only have had positive outcomes from that because then people when you model that behavior and you create an environment that's safe it triggers the courage in the others to act the same right and and i think when you talk about leadership in that space of compassion authenticity and it's more important 
I believe than ever. It's always been important. It's more important than ever. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been reading, I've been reading. Well, I think I'm reading five books at once, which is one of the problems that I have, but um, oh, Gallup's uh, blind spot, the global rise of unhappiness and, and how leaders missed it or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have this epidemic, this hidden ap epidemic of unhappiness. Mm -hmm. So we spend so much time at work. I think it becomes increasingly important as leaders. What's the environment that we want to create and how do we model that behavior? And, um, and I think there's, when you give clarity and you set ground rules that you are modeling the behavior, I always say to my team, mutual respect is the price of admission to our team, right? And if people are out of bounds, we call them out on it. And mm -hmm. oh, by the way, I am human um, and I'm Italian, so I can say crazy stuff, right? But then you you self-correct. Mm -hmm. You know, I assume good intent. But I think if you want to be experienced as a leader, then you have to say, how, I, how, how am I impacting the other? Mm -hmm. You can either drain them or you can inspire them and I choose the latter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's part of who you are. I think one of the things that's really interesting to me about these traits right now is like empathy, vulnerability, like they've almost become buzzwords to the extent of, you know, people know they're important, right? But it, yeah. it's, I think authenticity to me is where there's a distinct difference between using empathy and vulnerability to your benefit versus being authentic in using them because it, it's part of who you are and because you care and because you know what I mean? Not that there isn't also benefit, right? Like it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but it's, I guess to your point, it comes from that intent. Like, are you trying to check a box on these things because you yeah, think yeah, it will yeah. help you get a certain outcome or are you doing yeah are you leaning into these things because you know that they're important as yeah. human beings and you know um does that yeah. make sense well totally you know and i like the definition of of leadership where we talk about um influence inspiring helping others to achieve you know their goals build their skill set mm -hmm. i think sometimes people act try to act what they think authentic means and it then it's the opposite like stop doing that mm -hmm. today um i've had i've seen people you know maybe even and and i believe it's a compliment try to maybe mimic my style well it's me do you don't do me right. right because you have to be true to yourself and your core values and you know and it's an area too i find it interesting when i ask people you know well, what are your values what are important and they can't answer i'm like how can you not answer then you don't know how to live authentically, right? Because mm -hmm. that means being true to your core beliefs, et cetera. And you know, when people say to me, well, I want to be a leader, you know, and then you get down, you realize, no, they want more money or they just want mm -hmm. a title. You know, when I when asked, I tell people, I want to be experienced as a leader so that I can inspire people, influence them, bring them together around common purpose, you know, marry mm -hmm. passion and purpose so that people feel valued, mm -hmm. right? Did I help people bring their best self? It reminds me of a book that really impacted me. Um, Liz Wiseman, love her. She's so inspiring. Her book, The Multipliers, right? Mm -hmm. She says how the best leaders make everyone around them smart, you know, whereas also, too, you can um, be an accidental diminisher. You could diminish mm -hmm. others. So what do you choose to do? And you already said it, right? You know, we're not always the smartest person in the room. And sometimes we may just think we are, but we're not, right? Mm -hmm. But do you multiply the smarts 
um, of the folks around you. And that's something that resonated with me when I read that book and remains with me today. Because mm -hmm. sometimes because, you know, I know this may shock you, I have very, many annoying habits. And um, because I process out loud, Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I'll have to like that can dr it drives people crazy. But I know the form by which I'll say, hey, do you mind if I process out loud? Because mm -hmm. that, you know what I mean? And 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 mit to make sure that I don't derail unintentionally. Mm -hmm. Um and I, you know, anyways, I went round in a circle. I'm not even sure if I answered the question. <laughs> yeah, no, you did. I think um, you know, the other point that you made is um <clears throat> especially related to the world of, of service, um, you know, is, is an important one to, to just think about, you know, which is, are we promoting people into leadership roles as a reward for being a strong individual contributor or because mm -hmm. they want a promotion or because they want more money and that's the easiest path to give it to them mm -hmm. or because they have the capability and want to be leaders? Because I think part of the problem with, you know, those who are not very effective is they they maybe weren't really built for that right and they were then put into these positions that they're um you know not strong in because it was you know the next right path not because it it fit them as as people um okay so um we we talked about you know how all of these reflections that you've had and and um you know the sort of course correcting your own leadership style has made you think about leadership as a whole and what it even really means uh today so um i know nobody has all the answers but um would you mind sharing you know what your view is uh today yeah, so so and and I think I'll just build on um even what was just stated. So um one, I think when we do see or uncover folks that may have been promoted to a role not well suited, we need to move faster mm -hmm. because we're dealing with people. I get frustrated when we move too slow in that arena. And I've been guilty of that myself, right? Mm -hmm. But sometimes more damage can happen and and at the end of the day, you know, it it's better for the person to be placed appropriately. Because if indeed we want leaders to be able to inspire others and able to align so that you can execute on strategy, right? They have to be effective. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, you have, um, you know, I would say, at least in my circles and talking across the medical device community, you know, we're all having similar struggles and, and I think it's commonplace, right? Turnover, people reframing what pat what their purpose is or what they see passion and purpose, you know, post COVID or you know I you know what's important to me may have been different. Mm -hmm. So your leaders have to grow concurrent with the changing environment. And I think that that just doesn't happen naturally. Mm -hmm. And so even if you were very effective in a time and place, you know. Um, if it doesn't happen naturally in your organization, which I actually think organizations are severely lacking in how they look at leadership development itself. And that's why I highly encourage people to look inward at their own impact as a leader. Mm -hmm. I think that whole EQ piece in the equation 
is more important than ever before. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, we all have our different styles, but we need to show up and know what we're good at, what we're not good at um, in order to be able to be effective and not play a, um, it's not an act. I'm in my leader role. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Show up and be who you are. No, oh, by the way, if it's a jerk, please leave. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you, know what I mean? you know what I mean? So, so, um, you know, that, um, and it's, and I always tell people, you know what, don't wait for the promotion. Don't wait for the title lead from where you are. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't mean, you know, I, you know, learn the skill of, you know, leading through influence, learn the skill, of really bringing people together, you know, moving and helping. And I always say, um, you know, make your boss look good. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That's actually a good career move, right? Yeah. Because that takes you out of yourself, but also brings you aligned to a common goal. And and that, that can be healthy for the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a journey. Yeah, for sure. Um, and speaking of journeys, uh, I know um, you know, yours has been uh challenging and um, you know, uh a lot of a lot of growth, uh, a lot of learnings. We obviously wouldn't wish a cancer journey on anyone. Um, but uh, what I guess closing thought? What's you know anything we haven't touched on, or anything you would just want to reinforce to people? Um, you know, through this this journey that you're on, that you would want to impart if if people are you know open to listening. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, and, may- and maybe it's kind of like summation. The first thing that comes to mind when you say that is that first step for me is that if you haven't built a solid support system, you need to work on it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you're hundreds of acquaintances or friends about who are those people that are going to carry you, who are those people going to sustain you, who are those people going to tell you the truth, even if you don't want to hear it. That's the number one thing um, that is necessary. I say secondarily, you know, um, Clearly, it's a theme in this conversation, the importance of Mm self-awareness. I can say because of good habits that I've established for years, and I'm still learning all the time, right? It's allowed me to see this experience as a learning journey and embrace it, Mm -hmm. right? And there have been moments where I fought a degree of depression, we talked about, right, that, but they've Mm -hmm. been fleeting. and, and And I can honestly say not one moment have I been bitter, Mm-hmm. or really experience despair, despair. And I'm le- blessed by that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can't define yourself by work or an illness. It's just part of you as the whole, right? And um, so for me, there's the aspect of really get to know who you are, what's important, um, you know, what you should be working on, what you should be letting go of, you know what I mean? Um, I think that's important. And and I would ask a simple question probably, Um do you complain more than you contribute? And, and, and if you do, go back and get a support system that's going to tell you the truth mm-hmm. so that you can go back and work on it. And, yeah. you know, and, and something that's just been part of this for me is that, you know, you know, what would your thoughts be on your deathbed? And and so do you know what matters most to you, what your core values are? We've talked about what does living authentically really mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to do the work. You know what I mean? If if not, go back and get a support system who will tell you the truth, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways. Yeah, I appreciate it so much. Linda, you're an inspiration um, yes. today and back on episode 83 and, and every day to come. Um, 
I, I am so thankful for you um, and honored that you would uh, come here and have this discussion uh, with me and with our audience. So thank you so much for sharing um, the lessons you've learned, sharing you know yourself authentically with us. It's uh, it's an honor. Thank you so much. And I want to thank you for this opportunity um, and also allowing me this form to share my story. And and I would just say a final thought. Um, those who may be listening, fighting the same battle, you're not alone. Have courage. And I can say that I'm praying for you every day. Thank you so much, Linda. Really appreciate that. If you want to go back and listen to Linda and I's first conversation, it's episode 83. You can find it at futureoffieldservice.com. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more at ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening.